I'd like to talk to you about a sex fantasy. Now, for some of you, it's like, finally, finally, Tony is speaking my language. All I want to hear about is Tony talking about sex fantasies. Yes, 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 yes. But for the vast majority, it's like, hey, 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 uh, cats, you know, uh, we love we love the show. Love, love the show. Oh, happy to be here. Uh, really, really enjoy you. But, but maybe, maybe keep the mystery, man. Just keep a little bit of the mystery. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Keep the mystery. That These days, that comment seems to be an affront. How dare you think I have to keep the mystery? Everybody should know what I'm thinking. We see this in education where there is this real push and desire from teachers to share with our children everything they believe and they think keeping no mystery, including who I'm dating and what we're doing and and who I love and how I love them. I didn't know if my teachers were married or not married when I was a kid, when I was in school. And if you say to me, well, that's just an old-fashioned view, no, it was better. It was smarter. I wasn't asking these people to lead closeted lives But certainly as a parent, one could say, hey, maybe the intimate parts of your life have nothing to do with teaching algebra. And we should keep it that way. Teachers today, not all teachers, that would of course be untrue. Too many teachers today believe that they should be allowed to share anything they want with their students. And if you don't let them, you're suppressing their First Amendment right. Allow me to be clear. If you want to discuss bedroom habits with my kid, that's not your First Amendment right. That's you being a freak, and it seems to me you want to know if my kid's interested. That's what that is. Any teacher who objects to my characterization is more than welcome to, except they'd be wrong. And if you say to me, well, Tony, that's elitist. You're just calling everyone who disagrees with you wrong. I am saying that if you want to discuss your sex life with my child... You're the problem. The answer is no, and any objection to my no is only further proof of the problem that you or they are. Take us to Oregon. An Oregon high school had a uh, teacher for a health class. Um, well, the teacher asked uh, to... Uh, the students write a fantasy story. This was for health class students who missed coursework at what's known as Churchill High School in Eugene, Oregon, to um, complete a 10-point assignment called Fantasy Story. For those students who are absent, you will write a short story of a paragraph or two. The story is a sexual fantasy that will have, and and here's how it's written, so if you got kids in the car, maybe uh, turn down the radio for seven seconds. Ready, go. The story is a sexual fantasy that will have no penetration of any kind or oral sex, no way of passing an STI. This is an assignment for those who missed coursework in high school. At that moment, teachers should be fired. And at that second moment, where people say, well, wait a second, fire the administrators or anybody who backs up the teacher. We done now? Do we have this understood? That there is no argument to be made for why this is an acceptable assignment 
in high school. It just isn't. Part of the problem and part of the reason parents push back is that when you were doing this to kids in college, you could actually rationalize it. Not for everybody, but you could rationalize the idea these are adults, these are adult themes, and you have to treat them like adults, and they should explore these themes, even if it's uncomfortable. If you think a 17-year-old should be exploring this, still a child in everyone's eyes, we have a term for you, and that term is often referred to as groomer. Some people may have other terms, that's why I say often referred to. That's what it is. And any teacher or any administrator or anybody in education or anybody anywhere who has an objection to that, I remind you that you wanted kids in high school to write about sex fantasies. And just because you put in uh, uh, some guardrails about, um, uh, I was going to give people a warning, I can't warn you on everything, penetration doesn't change the fact that that's just not okay. You're wrong. It's an easy thing to understand that you're wrong. What, when you're a rational person? You are wrong. These people are wrong. Why is this so difficult? Do I think that parents should teach their kids about sex? I do. Have I ever, ever hid anything sexual from my children? Absolutely not. You ask me a question, I answer it. And I don't answer it with like, like little goofy, uh, you know, like pet names for things. You know, like baby talk. Oh, no, 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 no. I tell you what's happening. From the time my kids first asked a question, I answered near clinically. Proper terms for things, proper terms for actions, what the slang actually means. Because anytime you don't, in my view, you are leading to the confusion that kids can have. And the last thing that kids need is confusion. They get enough of that from their friends who are always talking a big game. Well, I, one of the first things I taught my kids is that if your friends are saying it, chances are it's not true. Chances are it's not true. My mother, years ago when I was in high school, said to me, the kids who are talking about sex are doing what they do best, talk. That's a, that's a true story. I was in the kitchen, Middletown, New Jersey. I know exactly where I was when she said it. I know exactly where she was when she said it. I, I, could, I could completely, completely reenact uh, that story. It was the first time my mother that I remember ever said anything like that. Like, like these people are full of crap, and you need to, you need to understand that. First time I really re- remember that talk about that stuff all the time, but I'm always honest. I'm always clear. Now, other parents may do it differently. Look, if they're embarrassed about things, I, I can't help them. I don't think they should be embarrassed. Uh, but but if they do it differently, they do it differently. It's their kid, and that's that. I leave it at that. If you tell me you're going to have a health class that shows this and that, we can agree and disagree on on the, on the levels, but I don't think we disagree on clinical concepts. If the health class is going to ask students to write a sexual fantasy, fire the teacher and fire anybody who supports the teacher. If we can't clearly differentiate between the things I just brought up, then we have no shot and the only answer is to put an end to public schools, break the unions, go back to the one-room schoolhouse, only do homeschooling, and tell the teachers and the administrators to learn to code, which would be fine by me. 
And I say this as somebody whose kids go to public school and so far, absolutely, positively fantastic. The assignment states you will choose three items. Romantic music, candles, massage oil, feather, feather boa, flavored syrup, etc. to use in your story. Your story should show that you can show and receive loving physical attention without having sex. Fire the teacher. Fire anybody who backs the teacher up. This assignment in a public school, or even was in a private school, is just one of many, many stories. And the stories are all predicated on the same falsehood that children want to express themselves in this way, that children need to express themselves in this way, and that parents and Toto are completely incapable of helping their children express who they really are inside. All of this is connected to the idea that children should be able to say, I'm this gender, I'm that gender, and pushing that philosophy. It is about creating confusion. Oregon has a gender support plan. I put forth to you that any of these plans, any of this documentation, is meant to foster confusion and push confusion on children. And that when you see, hey, write your sexual fantasy, it's so the teacher can then say, you know, I read this, and you know what this means? Let me tell you what it is you're saying. Oh, you may not believe that to be true, but you wrote it here so clearly that's who you are, and we now need to help you get to who you really are. You see, Stephen King actually takes people, ties them to a bed in a remote cabin, and then breaks their ankles in half. Of course, he doesn't do that. He he just writes. Never mind his politics are horrible. He just he just writes. But according to to this one paragraph you wrote about a sexual fantasy, it's clear you're really a girl, Steve. And now we have to act upon that. Here, do this. Here, do that. We've got so much care for you. You know, your parents don't understand you, but we get you. This is, again, why people utilize the term groomer. Holy cow, the line between what I, the, the assignment and what I am saying is a straight line. No need to, I'm not trying to offend anybody there when I say straight, but it's exactly what it is. It's exactly what this assignment is. It's exactly its purpose because I argue that it could have no other purpose. If you're going to have a conversation about flavored syrup and you're not talking about making chocolate milk, you are either trying to get them into a direction or B, you're looking for some late night reading material when nobody's looking. And in both cases, you're wrong and you have to be fired. And so does everyone that supports you. I find it stunning that in the state of Indiana, 
Governor Eric Holcomb is not more, uh, I was going to say aggressive, but aggressive isn't the right terminology, vocal on the support of children. I, I find it as peculiar as the day is long. It's not actually what I expected. Am I disappointed in the governor for a whole host of things? Yes. Yes, I am. Do I think he's done some good work in, in a myriad of subjects? Yes. Yes, I do. But his unwillingness, his purposeful silence on some of these subjects is, is astounding. His unwillingness to support young women in sports by engaging a veto, um, his unwillingness to be vocal uh, about um, the protection of children as a whole. It's not that I think that Governor Eric Holcomb thinks children should be abused. I, I don't actually think that. It's that if you're not proactive when some of these conversations come up in the support, you're really allowing people to engage a question and what you're creating is opportunity for this this other side which in my view is at least condoning abuse they may not see themselves as abusers they may not see it as abuse but they are if you're okay with this assignment you are condoning abuse that's exactly what's happening and i apologize to no one now maybe governor holcomb has a a better way to say it a better way to phrase it a better way to massage it through his political machine I find the silence peculiar, and I would argue it's not just Governor Holcomb, but considering that he's the governor, that's where I start. You see governors who speak out about this. I don't think they're looking for attention. I don't think that they're trying to get noticed. I think rather they see the problem. And they're not afraid to say that's wrong. And they're certainly not worried about whether or not there's going to be some uh, voter who, who says, uh, how dare you? There's going to be a voter who says, how dare you? There's someone out right now, out there right now saying, how dare you, Tony Katz? You're just being so hateful. Dude, you think children? You think children, high school children should be given an assignment by their health class to describe a sexual fantasy that could involve flavored syrups? You're wrong. And that's where it comes back to. It all comes back to being able to say those words. There is a right and a wrong. There is a Yetzer Hurrah and a Yetzer Tov. There is a line that we simply don't cross. I don't know why it's so difficult for so many to say that's the line. You cross the line, you're out. Bloop, gone. But it has to be said. It must be said. Because if we don't say it, it is our kids, your kids, their kids, other kids who suffer. I never knew that I would be a guy who would have to come on the radio and say, for the children. But son of a bitch, here we are. Man, 2023 is weird. You have to say this out loud as if somehow we don't know that a society that doesn't protect children is not a society that can thrive. But here we are are and i just don't understand the silence 
I just cannot comprehend where these people live in fear, and I cannot accept the fact that they say nothing. They're wrong too. Keep an eye on what your kids are doing in school. Keep an eye on what your schools are doing to your kids. Applaud the good stuff. Fight the bad stuff. And don't ever stop. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. So my bracket is complete, and I've picked Houston to win everything, unless, of course, I've made an absolutely terrible mistake, and I shouldn't have done that. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Does it matter? Has anybody ever gotten the totality, the totality of their bracket accurate? Ever? Ever, ever, ever in the history of ever, ever, ever? No. No. And I'm not going to get it right either. I've got Houston winning the Midwest. I've got IU making it to the Sweet 16. I've got Purdue winning the East and making it to the championship game. That's right. I picked Houston to beat Purdue because I'm terrible. I'm just awful. I've got Alabama making it to the Final Four, losing to Purdue, and I've got Kansas making it, which I think is I think that's the the, the biggest mistake. Because I've got Kansas having to go against Arizona State to make it to the Final Four. Like, I I do. I think Arizona State's going to be the Cinderella. Never mind that they're the alma mater, but I didn't graduate. So, again, I still don't know if they're an alma mater. If you didn't graduate from there, I didn't graduate from everywhere. I I do not have a college degree, in case anybody didn't know that. Uh, And I know some people are like, oh, that explains it. Oh, you elitist schmucks. Now go get me my latte. I I see Arizona State. They played in to win. And I think it, they're going to be uh, one of those fun momentum teams. The other one is, um, is uh, where are they? Uh, Penn State. I think Penn State's going to have a nice little run as well. I think that they're going to be fun. Penn State will get to the Sweet 16 and then fall to Xavier. So I, for them, I have the, the, the big uh, upset, them beating Texas, right? So I have a couple of good upsets, but in the end, there's a reason these teams are ranked number one, and I think that you get to all four number ones in, in that final four. The only place that I have a question is Kansas because I have Kansas beating UConn, and yeah, I'm not, I'm not so sure. I am not so Sure, it's it's not even that that my belief is UConn is 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 a team of destiny. I, I just something about that matchup, staring at that matchup, makes me go, ha. I don't, ha. Hmm. And then I have, and then I haw, and then I realize I don't know what I'm talking about. I might as well be picking these teams based on uniforms. What are you talking about? But but I will watch. I will go uh, to my favorite cigar lounge or or place, and and I and I will watch. And if I do something, if if anybody wants to come, just let me know. If anybody wants to come, just let me know. Also, I have got to do a meet and greet down in Bloomington where we're heard on WGCL. Uh, some people have been asking about that, so I got to set a time. So maybe in April we'll set that time if you guys want to come out. That'd be very, very cool. Find everything, TonyCats.locals.com. I have Houston taking it all. 
Tell me I'm wrong. TonyCats.locals.com. This is Tony Katz today. So you hear me often talk about how you have to be fully engaged in what your kids are doing. You have to be fully engaged in what schools are doing. And certainly you can't just sit idly by when, for example, uh, the Department of Justice refers to parents as domestic terrorists. You can't sit idly by when you're seeing what's happening with schools and say to yourself, well, this is fine. This is all just fine. This is, as Marcellus Wallace would say, pretty blank and far from okay. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Well, the fight has changed and the fight has grown and actually gotten better. And one of the reasons people are much more inclined to stand up now than they were just a year ago, because what they have found is that more and more people are thinking like they do, or at least maybe better said, they have been able to say things and find those who connect with them. March 21st, down in Texas, the Parent Empowerment Day with Governor Greg Abbott. This is being put on in conjunction with the Texas Public Policy Foundation. Corey DeAngelis joins me right now at the federationforchildren.org. That's where you find him, federationforchildren.org. And he has been one of the people Extremely proactive in this idea that you fund students, not systems, and that parents do indeed have a say in their kids' education. Corey DeAngelis joins me right now. Living uh, in Texas now as you are, is that what makes you part of this event, or is this a group that you've been working with on these subjects of how do you get parents in a place where they're able to speak better? I've been working with TPPF for a while, uh, but I, yes, I also am a Texas resident and I grew up in Texas, went to Texas public schools all through K through 12. I went to the University of Texas at San Antonio for a couple of degrees. I I had a stint in DC for for about five years, but now I'm back uh, in my home state of Texas. And so this is personal to me, uh, but also I've been pushing for school choice all across the country and we've been winning. Uh, The wind is at our backs. Uh, we've, We've had basically five states now, Arkansas, West Virginia, Iowa, Utah, uh, and uh, uh, five states now that have gone all in on school choice uh, in the past two years. Uh, So we've basically had a universal school choice revolution that has ignited since 2021. And it's the teachers union's own fault for overplaying their hand and, and awakening parents to the problems of the public school system. Uh, A lot of families who thought that their kids were in good public schools when the schools closed started to see that, well, the the school's curriculum wasn't aligned with their values, which is a much more uh, uh, mobilizing factor for parents than something that could be captured uh, by a standardized test. So when we talk about this, and and I often go out of my way to engage a distinction that we're not talking about all teachers and we're not talking about all administrators, but certainly we have this connective tissue that the that education as a whole, and you have had many run-ins with Randy Weingarten, uh, the president of the American Federation uh, of Teachers, uh, that as a whole, there's a real problem here and, and it comes with or starts in this place where teachers and administrators believe that they're in charge and there is no role for parents at all. Is that what you've come across? Yeah, I mean, the teacher union bosses believe that your children and the money meant for educating them belong to their, their institutions that they staff, the government-run schools. But the reality is education funding is meant for educating the child, 
not for propping up and protecting a particular institution, whether that's a public institution or a private institution, the money should follow the student. The kids don't belong to the government or their institutions that they run. They belong to their parents and parents are in the best position to make the best decisions for their own kids when it comes to their education. And that, that still could be the government run public school. If you, if you like your public school, you can keep your public school. Uh, but if not, with all of these school choice proposals, you can also choose to take that same funding that would have followed your child to their residentially assigned school. You now have the option to take that to a private school, a charter school, or a home-based education option. It's, it's fantastic to see all of the victories that we're seeing across the country. In 2021, we called it the year of school choice because we had 19 states expand or enact, enact programs to fund students as opposed to systems. In 2022, that's when we had Arizona as, as the first state going all in, allowing every family, regardless of background, to qualify. And then in 2023, we've already seen three states go universal. So 2023 is already another record uh, setting year for school choice. So we're seeing bigger proposals than we've, we've seen in the past. And it's, 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 it's really fabulous to, to, to see unfolding. Uh, the wind is at our backs. Talking to Corey DeAngelis, Federation for Children, federationforchildren.org. You also do work at the Educational Freedom Institute, where you're the executive director. And I often forget uh, that your uh, doctor, Corey DeAngelis, PhD, <laughs> before we get into this thing going on with Texas, and that really leads to a conversation about what other states are doing and not doing, you take hit after hit after hit on this subject as someone who uh, you're, you're not an educator. You don't know your doctorate is in education policy from the <laughs> university of Arkansas. Uh, so yeah, yeah, people, but, but to be, go ahead. To be clear, I'm not a real doctor. I'm more like a Jill Biden doctor. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there are <laughs> great gradations of this, <laughs> but, like, but you, you take these weird hits from people as in how dare you talk about these things as if not yeah. only are you not qualified, but you're not allowed. Dig in with me for a moment here on that elitism kind of take where you have teachers, administrators, others who say, how dare you, whether it be you, Corey yeah. DeAngelis, or really, how dare you, the parent, think that you should have a say? You were getting into it a little bit. I want to dig in further about how yeah. you respond to it and how you offer up others respond to that push. Yeah. So one of my first responses, yes, I do have a PhD in education policy, uh, but it's not even a legitimate argument. I mean, it, like, do you need to be part of the problem to fix the problem? That doesn't make any sense. And then... Uh, <laughs> Uh, look, I mean, Milton Friedman said it best when he responded to a heckler that went down the same uh, line of reasoning in, in one of his videos where Milton Friedman said, it, you know, if you had cancer, would you deny treatment from a doctor unless that doctor had cancer himself? Of course not. It, 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 it just, it's a totally nonsensical argument. You take, you, you take the advice or, or the logical arguments for, for what they are, not based on the background of a person. It, it, it's, it's a basic ad hominem attack. They're trying to use anything they can to silence uh, uh, anyone who, who, who argues for a policy they don't like. And so instead of using logic, they're resorting to uh, logical fallacies. It's all they have. I mean, they don't have any legitimate arguments against funding the student as opposed to the system. So they have to do things like this. The other thing that, that I've gotten is they'll say, 
well, you don't live here, so how can you make this argument? You don't right. live here. It's like, well, is, is the argument a good argument or not? It is it, a fantastic argument that I put forward. That's why they have to resort to why don't you, you know you don't live here? And they even tried to do that in Texas. There was a representative from Austin, Texas, and she had had said, "I know you don't live in Texas," and I responded saying, "Actually, I do," and and and, and I grew up here. And then she responded by doubling down by saying. No, uh, you just moved here for a job to defund public schools. And I responded by saying, no, I lived here most of my life. Uh, I got two degrees from UTSA. I, I attended public schools all through K through 12. I didn't move here for a new job. And uh, Twitter actually put a community note on both of those tweets from the representative from Texas, uh, uh, labeling it basically as misinformation. I, I do love a good community note. Nothing makes me happier when I get to, to do that. Talking to Corey DeAngelis, Dr. Corey DeAngelis, and you can find more of his work at federationforchildren.org. But in Texas, uh, this is next week, the parent, sorry, the Parent Empowerment Day with Governor Greg Abbott. It's an all-day affair. What's happening inside the Texas State Capitol on the North Capitol Steps What's going to be happening and what approach has Governor Abbott taken that maybe other governors haven't? Abbott has been leading the way on school choice this year. It's, it's absolutely amazing. He's been going to different cities for this parent empowerment tour, pushing for school choice. During his state of the state recently, he put universal school choice for all families as an emergency item. Uh, so he's really, he even campaigned on the issue, won on the issue, and Governor Abbott has just been calling on the legislature and, and calling for support for school choice policy. That's, that's what we need from all Republican governors. This is a Republican Party platform issue. In Texas, it's a top eight Texas GOP uh, uh, issue, this the legislative session, and in Texas, they actually put the uh, a school choice ballot proposition on the Texas Republican primary ballot, and they found 88% of Texas Republican primary voters supporting school choice, which was up nine percentage points since they last put it on the Republican primary ballot in Texas in 2018. So it went from 79% support, which is still high, right. all the way up to 88% support in just a few years. And this is, uh, there's, this has been a, a, a ton of, um, support uh, that has been on the rise. There's, there's so much momentum for this. Georgia did something on the Republican primary ballot as well, si similarly finding significant shifts in favor of school choice among Republican does, does uh, primary support, voters in the state. I, I don't mean to interrupt because I do want to talk more about what Texas is doing, but does, does the support come from the idea that they believe public education has failed them? Or does it come from the idea that they really believe my kid would be better off if I could just move them over there? It depends on the person, but I think the, the significant shift has been a values-based argument for school choice, that families are currently sending their kids to institutions where they feel like they're being brainwashed. Uh, they thought the, the, the schools were focused on education, but a lot of them are focused on indoctrination. And parents just want their kids to, to, to be raised in a way that's aligned with their values, and they want them to, to learn the basics as well at school. But the, a lot, so many public schools are not teaching kids in ways that are aligned with families' values, and so they want something different. Uh, Vody Bauckham said it best. 
Uh, we cannot continue to send our children to Caesar for their education and be surprised when they come home as Romans. And what I think is unfolded here is that the parents are no longer surprised. They, right. you know, standardized test scores weren't the only metric of quality. And now they're saying there's a more important dimension here, which is whether the school's curriculum aligns with their values. They want to, parents want to raise their kids in, in, in ways that are aligned with their own values, um, not in values that are in conflict with what's going on at home. You talk about how this played in a Texas Republican uh, primary as as the level of support. Am I to believe that there's no Democratic support for the idea of school choice and funding students, not systems? Or is there a difference between Democratic support and people? The the Democratic Party needs that union dollar more than oxygen so they can never support such a thing. Is that what we're seeing? Yeah, it wasn't on the Texas Democrat primary ballot for a reason. They probably understood that you know, their elected officials are voting against it, but their primary voters probably support it. And in fact, if you look at the latest polling from Texas, from the University of Houston, U- UT Austin, UT Tyler, uh, uh, Dallas Morning News did a poll. Uh, so these, these polls consistently find that across party lines, there's either plurality or majority support for school choice in the state of Texas. Real Clear Opinion Research polling did, did a similar poll and broke it down by party lines in 2022, nationwide finding supermajority support among Republicans, Democrats, and independents when it comes to the voters. The problem is that Randy Weingarten, for example, and her union, the American Federation of Teachers, disproportionately, almost unanimously, give their funding to Democrats. 99.97% of campaign contributions from Randy Weingarten's union went to Democrats in 2022. So it puts elected officials in a tough position who are backed by the Democratic Party and the teachers unions to vote for for what their actual constituents want, the voters, parents, uh, which is school choice. But there are a couple of defections that have happened recently. In Nebraska, there are three Democrats um, senators in their unicameral that have co-sponsored and voted for uh, their school choice bill in Nebraska. Justin Wayne, Terrell McKinney, and uh, and one other Democratic co-sponsor right. over there. And uh, there's there's been some other defectors. But it, 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 for the most part, it has been Republican um Republican politicians in state houses that have supported school choice. Most of the opposition has come from Democrats. In Texas, for example, the Democratic House, uh, the, the, the chair of the, te- the Texas House Democrats um, said that, that if Governor Abbott's um, goal or dream is to have school choice for all families, they said, quote, that they would be his worst nightmare. And that, that same chair of the Texas House Democrats went to a private school, and he also sent his kids to private school, yet he opposes it for lower-income families in the state of Texas. I think that's hypocritical. Uh, I don't blame any families for, for, for benefiting from private education or choosing that for their kids, but they shouldn't turn around and fight against that opportunity for, the, for other families. Uh, unions before kids, which is why you discuss funding students instead of systems. Corey DeAngelis, uh, you can find his work at federationforchildren.org, where he is a senior fellow, also the executive director of the Educational Freedom 
Institute. And if you happen to be uh, in Austin, uh, the Texas Public Policy Foundation, Texas Public Policy Foundation, uh, Texas State Capitol at the North Capitol Steps, the Parent Empowerment Day, they're doing it with Governor Greg Abbott. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Corey Moore is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Many people on Social Security. Then why doesn't the president care? He cares very deeply. Then where is his plan? He stands ready to work with Congress. That's a lie, address. because when a bipartisan group of senators has repeatedly requested to meet with him about social, so that somebody who is a current beneficiary will not see her benefits cut by 24%, we have not heard anything on our request. That's rough-and-tumble language there in in the Senate. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. That is Senator Bill Cassidy saying to Secretary of the Treasury, Janet Yellen, you're lying. You say he's ready and willing to work with Congress because that's the default line. That's a lie. Um, That's a, as a very, very clear and direct statement. It really, truly is. And, and, and I'm happy to see it. Too many politics and not enough work. I feel that way absolutely about the southern border, and I know you do too as well. It's just too much chitty chat and not enough work. And by the way, that was chitty chat. Don't worry. I'm keeping my job one more day, whether you like it or not. Very curious to see where the markets finish tomorrow and whether or not we're done with people being concerned about the banks or Or are we just at the start? Is this really at the start of some real concerns about where we're going? I'll have all that for you tomorrow, everyone. I'm Tony Katz. Take care.